Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Telling you, bro. What's been happening, bro? Uh, not too much. Still hitting more peggy Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Riff Raff. Today I am recording this, uh, where am I? San Jose, California, out with Hall & Oates at Train. Just started the tour, summer tour. I don't know if it's summer yet, that's what they're calling it. Anyway, uh, this is actually fun to do in the morning. I'm finishing this podcast with Audley. This, this was actually recorded in um, February. But I'm just now getting around to this because I don't do this all the time. Uh, A couple of updates. T-shirts, Riff Raff T-shirts. You guys want a Riff Raff T-shirts? You got them. Go to my website. They have them. Very limited. I'm only going to do one run of these things. I don't want to get into the podcast T-shirt business, but they do look cool. Um, And then um, what else? I get a lot of emails asking for certain guests and get this guy and this guy. First of all, I appreciate all the comments and all the ratings you guys give me. Um, I like to get people that I know or have some sort of relationship. It keeps the conversation flowing. So I don't know everybody. And some of the people you ask for, I don't know at all. Uh, but I do, you know, I do take all of these in consideration. I don't know how much longer I'm going to keep doing these, but got some other great ones coming up after all at least so I'm trying to get these done in uh, an expeditious manner as time allows and I appreciate your patience but let's get to Audley My guest today is Mr. Audley Freed. Audley is a badass player. I mean, no doubt. Most of my guests on Riff Raff are. Um, Audley's got vibe and tons of it, and his credits most certainly back this up. I mean, but you know, the thing about Audley, if you know him like I know him, if there was an award for most humble guitar player, Audley would most certainly win this hands down. I mean, he doesn't, he's not a bragger or a name dropper, and he's constantly downplaying his achievements, but. It's not in a false, pretentious way. It's a, it's a real, genuinely modest way. 
And you get the feeling that because he came from a small town in North Carolina, he's like really grateful for the opportunities that he's had. And he never thought he'd had the amazing career that he's enjoyed. You'll hear about this. So anyway, he uh, oddly, you'll hear he, he started a band called Cry of Love, which still has tons of fans. And they, you know, yielded a couple of radio hits. He joined a little band called the Black Crows, recorded the legendary Live at the Greek with Jimmy Page. You'll hear about some really great stories that I've been telling for years, so you finally have Audley himself telling these stories. He's currently working with Cheryl Crow and Chris Robinson. I think he's been with Cheryl for seven years, but he's done just about every cool gig you can imagine. I mean, Joe Perry, Lucinda Williams, Peter Frampton, Dixie Chicks, Wallflowers. He's jammed with, you know, Gavin DeGraw. Uh, no, he recorded Gavin DeGraw's first record. Jammed with the Allman Brothers many times. Uh, Grateful Dead. He's a songwriter. He's written with Train, I believe he told me. And, uh, yeah, I'll shut up. So here we go. On a cold day in Nashville, I go over to Audley's house. He makes us a couple of really strong cups of coffee. We look through his vinyl collection real quick, and then we get down to business. So uh, hope you enjoy it. And thanks for listening. Yeah, man. All right. Let's do this. So, uh, that's my pet peeve is starting sentences with so. I, I hear people <laughs> on NPR do that, but I, I'm going to do it. But anyway, man, I'm sitting here in Nashville, Tennessee with my old friend Audley Freed. What's happening, man? I hadn't seen you in a long time. It's a man. long time. It's good, really good to see I you. I know, man. Put it's the great. smile on. But you can't see us, but we're both grinning we're from grinning. ear to ear, man. <laughs> I hope you're honestly grinning because I know you don't like doing the shit. Well, otherwise you would have told me no. Cause no, I no, no, absolutely, man. No, I mean I didn't hesitate. You know what I mean? Because yeah. especially being you, and then I went back and listened to. Uh, well, I shouldn't say went back. I don't guess, but I, I listened to a few of the episodes with some people that I know too. You know, yeah, what I mean? mutual and, friends and uh. It's great. It's man. legit, man. Come on, it's legit. Yeah, yeah, totally awesome. But uh, anyway, I knew this would be fun, and 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 your podcast is really fun to listen to. Oh, man. thanks, man. Yeah, well, I yeah. think a lot of people like to hear you on it, and I, I there's a lot of things I don't really know about you. I mean, man, the first time I think I met you, I don't know if that place is still there anymore. It's, was it the Cannery or was some? It was some rock club in Nashville, and we were all doing like some benefit jam. And you were playing, and you had that yellow SG, mm-hmm. and it was backstage, and we said hi real quick. Then, I don't know how, it was a couple mutual friends, and then we ended up doing this uh, Blue Floyd gig together. That's what I remember more than yeah. anything. I, 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 that makes sense that I would have been at the whatever the the benefit gig was with that yellow SG that I played a lot of time. I still do, but, but, uh, but I would just remember... Where was the first place you showed up? Like in Philly or something? Yeah, I don't know. that whole was, thing is like a blur. Oh to man. Me, man, it's you been know, a long, long time. That's yeah. been a long time. I mean, I, I have this. This, it's not really a curse, but the 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 unsettling position sometimes to be dropped into situations to, that are that are sort of awkward. And well, that was an awkward one, you know that well, Blue you, Floyd thing. You've got a. That's because you have the ability to do that. You got the skills to show up on short notice or whatever. You know what I mean, and come in and. Maybe actually because I was I was available. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> now I heard you tell who was that telling the story about you uh, doing that Larry Carlton. 
Oh, it was probably Oats, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thing on No Notice, man. That's incredible. Playing bass? Come on, man. Really? Yeah. Playing bass? I play a lot of bass nowadays, yeah. It's good for your guitar bass. playing. It's good for your musicianship to play bass, isn't it? I think so. But, you know, it's a lot of guitar players overplay bass, but... But anyway, Ron, Ron Wood did, but it was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> My mean, buddy, I have a drummer here in town. We we're talking about Jeff Beck, and he had some bass player on t- some TV show or something like that. You know what I mean? And somebody was saying, "Yeah, what about that bass player? It was all over it or whatnot?" And he goes, "My buddy, the drummer, goes, she ain't no Ron Wood. <laughs> she better leave that out." Yeah. Said she ate. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny, Greg Morrow? You know Greg. Yeah, yeah, uh, no to them, yeah. But yeah, that's impressive to me, man. I mean, it was beyond impressive. I mean, I don't want to interview you, but I am going to ask you some questions during this well, thing too, because I'm just yeah. interested in back, you know, because we kind of share the. We do a lot of the same things for a living, but I think that our our passion for what we do probably is very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I okay. I remember now the first time I met you, oddly. It was backstage, Minnesota somewhere. You were with the Black Crows, and you came backstage with Chris Robinson and whoever else was with you at the time. Oh, I, I was were with you on Art that BB King thing. I was with. Art. I totally remember that. Did you come over to the to the club? I don't know if we to came the, over, but, but I remember you guys coming backstage and talking to Art, and I was standing with Art. I was like, Oh, oh yeah, I wasn't girl. talking to. to well, know you it. were there. I was there, but I wasn't talking because we were talking yeah. about the meters. And and right. Chris said, I remember this. He goes, "Man, we were just listening to you guys today on the bus, on the tour bus." And that's and, uh, you know, I totally. Well, man, you got a good memory to remember that. I remember walking across the street because we were playing at First Avenue. Yeah, and you guys were at the Target Center, it was right across the street. I totally remember that. And I, that was the first time I ever met David, too, Grissom. It was mm, that day, right. too. Because he came girl. over to our sound check. Now, what was that, like 50 years ago? <laughs> yeah, 50, <laughs> uh, 56 years ago. But anyway, man, you know, so. So that was before the, where, what, at the cannery or oh, wherever, yeah, that Mercy was, Lounge That was a couple, probably a couple of years, yeah, before then. Yeah. You know, but there's and, a lot of gaps, like things I don't know about you. Like, mm-hmm. um, obviously, your band. You know your first band, Cry of Love. You mm-hmm. still have like a lot of fans, man. That that band, you guys caused a lot of waves with that band, man. You know, and I want to talk about that, and then into Black Crows, and then you know. But right, you're from. Let's see, you're from. Is it Wilmington? North I'm Carolina? outside of Wilmington. I'm yeah. from a little town called Burgaw, North Carolina. Two thousand people. I mean, it was when I was living there. I don't think it's a whole lot more now. And uh, I mean, just to give you some context, it's in Pender County. It's the county seat, and it used to be, you know, primarily agricultural, you know, and that and and that was primarily tobacco farming, mostly, yeah. you know, and that's all just kind of gone away, man, you know, and and so I think it's become a bit more of a, a you know, like a bedroom community, uh-huh. yeah, for to, for people that work in Wilmington or whatnot. Wilmington is a, is a bit larger and and and. As a whole lot larger, actually, but but yeah, in that area, I grew up. I mean, mm-hmm. man, you know, we got to stop. I'm not, the, I'm not making this up. We got a stoplight in night when I was 15 years old wow. in our town. So yeah. it was not a one stoplight; it was a mm-hmm. no stoplight town. You know, and then the Interstate 40 got completed. This all sounds like some Flintstone. <laughs> 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 you know I mean? Then they built the interstate, <laughs> but uh, it used to only go to Raleigh, all the way from California, and then the, there was a big gap and. I guess about 1990 or so, they 
they finished the interstate and one of the exits is an exit in the town. So now there's a McDonald's, there's two stoplights and there's a McDonald's and all that. But, but, uh, it's, it's very small town and the rest of the County, you know, there's no towns in. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's, it was, uh, it's pretty, pretty rural situation. Yeah. So is that where, that's where all you guys are like cry love, everybody was from there? That's no, 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 no. Was... That, that, those guys were from different parts of the, of the state. But North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, North Carolina. Yeah. And we all had played in cover bands, basically, you know, back when there was such a thing. I mean, that's another thing that has kind of gone, gone yeah, the way right. of extinction, you know. But, but uh, and that's, we all met each other. You know, playing in the same clubs, go. You know, hey, you have a night off, you go see somebody else's band play, and whatnot. But that was kind of the portal for me to. Uh, there was there was a club in Wilmington when I was in college because I did go to school. I went to college for four years and graduated at University of North Carolina at Wilmington. Mm. And uh, there was a club there called the Mad Monk that had bands four nights a week or whatever. And my friends and I would, you know, just went probably almost every night. And you end up meeting these guys from these bands that are quote unquote touring right. around, you know, cover bands mostly. And that was the only uh, window that 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 I could see that would maybe lead to being able to play music and get paid to do it, and maybe travel a little bit and and, and whatnot, you know. So so uh, for me, that was kind of like that. That was the place that i saw opportunities to play what the guitar. age did you know like man i want to be a pro guitar player I well man i tell you I, I i i don't really know shane to be honest with you because i never thought that i would be good enough to do it really yeah you know even at 19 or you know i'd say by the time i was 19 or 20 i maybe uh, somewhere inside of me i must have thought that i was good enough to do it because i i, I did you know pursue it but you know, where I grew up, man, nobody played. There was only a couple of people around that even played music, and nobody certainly played for a Pro, living. There yeah, was nowhere right. to play. Right. You know, and so uh, it was not really an option, you know. And, and the idea of going to Berkeley, or you, did you go to MI? Did you yeah, go to, I did. You know, or doing that. Well, there was no imp. Uh, maybe it was existed when I. This is in the late seventies and early eighties. Uh, you know, it was just not something that was on the table mm -hmm. for people in my family. Right. And 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 uh, don't get me wrong, I had wonderful family, wonderful people, but but it was just not something that was on the radar. Sure. You know, so this you know going to see these bands in this club was was like you know to me that was a window to to. Uh, uh, a whole world of things that I had never experienced, mm -hmm. you know. So there's always one guy, it seems like, that um, it, it's either a teacher or, like, some guy lives down the street who used to play in a band that was a really good guitar player, some guy that showed you. Was there a, there were one guy like that? Did you have a person in your life that well, you, when I was, you looked yeah, up to? There's been like a lot the of local them through, hero guy, you know? Yeah, there's been a lot of them through the years, you know, a, a lot of people that 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 were very influential and in, in, on a lot of levels and stuff but there was a guy in the and he lived in the next county 
for me, and his name is Ernie Johnson. I'm still in touch with him. I just talked mm-hmm. to him a couple of weeks ago, and he was a great guitar player, and he had a Les Paul. Uh-huh. You know, he had like a say, he still has a 72 wow. Sunburst Custom. And he took up a lot of time with me. My dad was, was, was quite ill for the better part of about 10 years when I was a kid. And, uh, and he passed away, uh, when I was 18. And mm. so I'm, I'm the only child, but my mom had her hands full looking after my dad. And so in, in a small town like that, you know, people tend to, especially when, life sort of revolves around a community and the church and, and things like that. You know, th- there were several people that, that were uh, not just on a musical level, but that, that kind of were able to take up t- time that my mom just didn't have. Right. But, but Ernie was a guy who I think um, saw a little potential in me for whatever reason. And he took up a lot of, of time with me and, and it was really, I mean, it resonates more now than it did even then, mm-hmm. because I can see now, you know, I was 15, he was 21. Mm-hmm. When I was 21, I didn't want to be mm-hmm. spending my time trying to mentor or nurture a 15-year-old kid. Right. You know, right. I was 21 in right. college, you know. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, he took up a lot. He was a great player. And what kind of stuff was he showing you, like songs Man, just, or licks and things? Yeah, and, and just kind of steered me in, a, in different directions. I totally remember one night, man, we were... Uh, I had some Kiss, I had Destroyer, I think, and Kiss mm-hmm. Alive, and you know, and he was like, "That's cool, you know," but but check this out, and I remember, I don't remember the details. He had this van, this old green and white Ford van, and we drove out into the. Somebody had a double wide trailer on a lot out in the woods <laughs> somewhere, and it was like the benign version of it. Just sit here, sit, wait right here. I got to go see this guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like the totally, totally. Uh, 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 within the boundaries of the law version of that. And he came back out and he had this mountain record uh, called Twin Peaks Live, which is a later mountain album. That There's a version of Rollover Beethoven on there. And and, uh, and, and something, maybe one other record, seems like. But he had gone to this guy who had these records and borrowed them from him to give to me. And he was like, here, you need, you, should, you know, check this out. Listen to it. You know, listen to this Allman Brothers Fillmore album. And you got to remember, you know, this is late seventies, so this stuff is five or six years old. It's already yeah, ancient. It's already to me. old, right? You yeah. know, everybody's your age is listening to Kiss. Yeah, and, Kiss. And, yeah. You know, and Aerosmith and and yeah. and, and whatnot. And uh, so, yeah, he did. He pointed me in those directions. That he would say, "Hear that sound? You know, on a record, that's a, that guy's got a Stratocaster with a compressor on it." Wow. You yeah. know those kinds of things. And I, I remember specifically remember asking him. He had an Ampeg V2 amp, which. Or, you know, I don't know if you, those things are awesome, oh. man. It sounded really, really good. And I remember asking, I was like, what is this knob? It says my range on here, <laughs> you know, yeah. so things of that nature, right? you know, and it's uh, huge, man. For yeah. And then we would go jam out in his outbuilding and he had a four track recorder. He would tape it and give me a copy of it. And I'd go back to work at the grocery store and, and, and unmercifully make people that I were, this is this jam we did last night, you know? So it was huge, man. Yeah. It gave me a lot of confidence, I think, you yeah. know? I, it, like I said, it means more to me now because contextually I can see what how how valuable his time was. There's always you somebody know? like that. For me, it was my uncle. You know, I was, and then there were other music people later. But yeah, it's 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 important. Like you, in mm-hmm. people don't realize, man, it, you can push somebody a certain direction just by the things you say when you're a kid. Man, you're so easy. You're so open. Right. And it, even though you don't realize it, and then later on, and it can go the opposite way. You could discourage somebody too, and and say no, no, some, a, some mean shit, and a, a, absolutely, you know, you're, mm. you're you're 
really, really hitting the nail on the head there. And, you know, there have been a lot of people through the years, Shane, lots and lots, too many to name because inevitably I'll leave somebody out. Yeah. You know, I don't want it. But, but, uh, but he was the first one. He was the one. first one in, yeah. in your town or nearby. And maybe yeah. looms as large as anybody. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know. That's and cool. I, I, lovely guy. Wonderful guy. It's always, it's, I always ask that question. It's just different for everybody. Everybody has their, you know, you're telling me about him. For me, it was my uncle. For Dweezil Zappa, it was Eddie Van Halen. He would come to his house. Right. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we all didn't yeah, have well, that luxury. I, but, you and I, yeah. we weren't getting no. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I heard you ask Porter, you know, George Porter, like, who's your favorite baseball Right. You know, and he mentioned a couple of dudes He mentioned from the some clubs. guys that are lost to, to yeah. history, man. You know, I hear those names all the time from, mm-hmm. from Mac or from Art Neville, you know, just like. Nobody's ever heard of these cats, and that that means more to me. Like, wow, that's yeah. really pure. A- absolutely, you know? man. Absolutely, yeah. Well, let's talk. All right, so you 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 put this band together, Cry Love, North Carolina, and you guys are. I mean, how did it all come together with the record deal? Like the short version, like you just the normal story where you're like, did you do a showcase or something for a label? Well, we kind of. I mean. To back up just a, a little bit, we had all been playing in these cover bands, and Robert Kearns, the bass player who plays in the Cheryl Crow band with me now, still we're he's he's like as close to family as I, 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 well I'm not even going to say that he is family to me, you know. Uh, we were both playing in the same band, and we uh, I was just like you know this is like not. We're just we're just driving around the southeast playing at frat parties on the weekend and we're not making any money. Yeah, it's not gonna you be know? anywhere. And I had I had been in another cover band before that and I was really didn't make any money. I mean and not that that's what it's about, but I'm talking about like ten dollars a day. Yeah. You know, and five dudes in a hotel room are playing six nights a week, four sets a night. You know, I look back now and realize, boy, that was really good for me to do that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um so it became pretty evident you know, hey, I'm not moving forward doing any doing this, you know. We're just kind of comfortably traveling around and six months have gone by. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so I said, you know, I asked I, I said, let's let's I'm gonna go get a day job and we'll find a rehearsal space and you know, let's just try our hand and see what happens, you know. So it was the me and him and Jason Patterson was a drummer and, and we started and you know, I put about nine years of my life into that, mm-hmm. like a hundred full bore. Um, Label interest and all that stuff, and then you got your. Yep, yep, sure did. Uh, 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 we got a deal with Columbia Records in like uh, 1992, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, we had been through a couple of singers. The core guys were always me and Jason and, and Robert and uh and we had done a, a quote unquote a demo. We'd been recording some demos at a studio there in Raleigh with a friend of ours named John Custer who was a, ended up producing our record. And we had one that had a couple songs on it, but it wasn't finished. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, in fact he's a New Orleans guy, Pepper Keen, mm-hmm. uh was going out on a tour and was like, man, let me just have something to listen to or whatnot. And I was like, okay, man, but just don't play it for anybody. It's not, don't, we're not even done. We might put a couple overdubs on it and mix it and whatnot. Well, sure enough, 
he went and played it for this guy at the label. Josh Sarbin was our A and R person, and uh, and you know, next thing I know, wow, you know, he said I want to come down and see your band, and so he came down to see the band, and you know, and and, and it, it happened. I, you know, it's one of those things where I think you just have this kind of blind faith, but at the same time, you don't think that it's ever gonna happen because for a guy like me, I don't know about yourself, it'd be interesting to know since you grew up around. The, you know some, some music and 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 around a bit of a music industry, but to me that was always seemed like that there it was just everything was like behind mm-hmm. it was like the Wizard of Oz yeah. it was all behind a curtain and well the whole business thing is like that I mean you could grow up around all kinds of stuff music wise but the business is a totally different thing the industry is a better you know what I mean if there's yeah. no industry that the way that works is is like Wizard of Oz behind the curtain thing mm-hmm. that whole machinery you know. But just the idea of quote unquote getting a record deal, you know, that didn't happen to mortal. It was like a comic book. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? It didn't happen to, to mortal people. So. So you guys, you you recorded that record in in North Carolina, in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to ask you where he was recording at the, at the studio uh, that is no longer there. Fame? No, it was at Muscle Shoals Sound. Muscle Shoals Sound, which was the second location of Muscle. Did you ever work down there? No, I never got to work there, but I I, I know a little bit about. The it was scene down on the river, and cats, then they yeah. moved because you know the original one where they cut wild horses and and uh, you know Rod Stewart and. That was all, Rick Hall, Simon, place. and all that. No, that wasn't at Fame. That was actually at, at Muscle Shoals Sound. Oh, okay. Which was a different studio, and then they built a bigger one down on the river. And you know, uh, I don't know all the details. I know some guys that do that mm. are from down there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we did it down down there. Wow, yeah. man, I'm trying to think. That I remember that video it was the song. Um, Peace pipe. So Peace pipe. Called, right? yeah. The video is like the. I want to ask you because I watched it the other day again, and. Uh, the the pool table and all that scene, you know, that bar. I think that was across the street from our rehearsal space. In North Carolina? Yeah, and I can't remember the name. I want to say the name of that place was Fanny's or something like that. Because there's that, that guy, that, or... like the old dude by the pool table, he's like shooting pool. Man, I have, it's been so, I haven't seen it in yeah, years. It's, it's a great I video. I can't remember. But that, I think that's where that was. It was like a, you know, what you call an old man bar. I mean, it was uh-huh. literally so a real with cameras and shot old man bar. Yeah. I, I, I'm, that's the best I can remember. You know, somebody's probably going to be like, no, it's not where it was, yeah. you know. But I think that's where that was, yeah. It was right, like right across the street. Because we just rehearsed in this basement of an office building, you know, slanted floor, being there with 100-watt marshals on, you know, on six, <laughs> no earplugs. Oh, man. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> what, what gear were you using on? I usually don't talk about this, but I know you always have killer amps and stuff. So on, the, on the Cry Love record, a Marshall, was that a It was Marshall? an old 7,300-watt Marshall, man. And and uh, and a Marshall cabinet, I guess it had twenty five watts. You I don't just even turn know. it all the way up. And no, I forth. didn't. I turned it up on best I can remember, probably about halfway. You yeah. know, it was a little cleaner. You know, I didn't. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. And I can't, man, dude. I worked in a music store, and you know, anytime anybody would bring an old amp like that in that had Marshall written on it, you know, back then I think I bought that thing for two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and then got somebody to put some tubes in it. 
I remember, I think it did have a 6550 tubes rather than EL34, which I'm not really sure what the, what mm-hmm. that does, but, but, uh, I, I can't say that I had tweaked it and refined it. Right. You know, I had two or three of these things. I never used them because they were so loud, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it just was the best sounding one coming through the microphone. I mm-hmm. think I brought a couple of them down there. Yeah, it's great sound on that stuff, man. Well, thanks, man. I mean, I can't take any credit for having have dialed it all in beforehand there's probably tape too down there right yeah there. yeah absolutely yeah yeah that was before I'm, I'm guess pro tools was probably was around but we didn't yeah before. that was probably adats or something back then i don't know yeah 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 burn down secret Rift to a peace pipe. Yeah. I wanted to so this is the riff to Let me see if I can remember. I mean, it. I remember that song. And I remember the great guitar sound on there. Um man, I can tell you a little story about that too. Yes, uh, please. I used to work at a guitar shop at Harry's guitar shop, which is a great still it's in Raleigh. Still open? Still open, yeah, All great. Right, cool. Great place. We'll have to check it out. A lot of cool people. And and uh um and one Friday I uh was unboxing some, you know, the UPS guys show up, you know, with the, with new stuff. It was always the exciting yeah. part of the day, you know, and unboxed the guitar and, and, and just played that on the guitar that day in the store, you know, and n- not even through an amp or anything. I have no idea what guitar I can't remember. I don't know why I remember that it was a Friday, you know, but, uh, um, and the whole thing just kind of came into my head, the, the, you know, I could kind of hear the ensemble playing. Oh, if I play this, then mm, you were we can put this yeah. around it, and but, and and that has not really ever happened to me very much in my whole life. You know what I mean? But it's just a B chord on a Telecaster. It sounds kind of weird, but uh, let me see if I can do it without missing. Um, man, and it's basically just a B chord, but with a dominant uh-huh. with a flat seven or with the one and the five. Yeah. And so if you count it as one, two, three, four, one. That's yeah. all it is. That's great. So it's not on the downbeat. Three, four, one. Yeah. But you know, you hear it. That's you what hear, makes it so hooky. Well, and yet again, we were just talking about the space and the, you know, that's a hard lesson to learn, man, dude. Believe me, you know, I have played a lot of notes in my time mm-hmm. and I have played way too much. I was really trying to, to to write some simpler stuff that wasn't just guitar e, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, that was sort of at the beginning of that period that that uh, of me trying to edit myself not only as a lead guitar player but as a as as a riff writer and songwriter too. So yeah, it's really so. I guess it is kind of. I never really thought about how simple that is, but it kind of very hooky though. That's the trick is to write something simple that's really cool. Like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's it. There was another tune I saw you do on YouTube when I was checking out. It was, um, it was kind of a Hendrixy, yeah. Uh, oh, 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 that Highway Jones thing? Highway Jones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that thing. That's a C-sharp standard. My buddy. That's a pretty un... You know, what are you... Well, it's just, it's just a, man, you know, if that's a C-sharp... 
see it. Yeah, yeah. I like the the C sharp on the C sharp minor. Yeah. You can go the, that thing. Oh yeah, yeah. The tax man. Yeah. Is that how it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. So you're playing minor, and you playing yeah, seven sharp minor. Cluster. Yeah. I'm just playing that straight. The hymn, the Spanish Castle Magic yeah. one. And the and the part where the the chorus of that, the the quote unquote chorus, really is kind of a turnaround or whatnot. It was just. I think so. That's another example of just trying to make it. You know, really simple, and that's really just what Ron Wood plays in. I'm losing you, the <laughs> Temptation song by the Is Faces. It? You know, when he yeah. goes. Wow. It's just that backwards. Just grabbing a handful of notes. Yeah. You know. But if you get that six and that. That's just a Motown chord, isn't it? Yeah, it's all yeah. that sus. Yeah. But this being the root, though. Yeah, it's a sus thing. Simple, dumb. That's super, great, man. It's great shit. Dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I like dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forward like cry love into black crows i mean i'm i'm guessing cry love broke up and then how yeah. did how did yeah. black crows you just knew those cats they knew the no band i or... did not know them but i will say that that uh i think a couple of people in north carolina that did know them they had a vacancy in their lead guitar department like this is like 1997 something like that and uh after mark four this is his yeah that was his chair chair yeah and uh, so I, I think it really I found out that they that a couple of guys that I knew and they weren't really like I wasn't really close to them. They were just people that I, that I would see socially and play, you know, at gigs and whatnot uh, had recommend had called Chris Robinson and recommended me hmm. for this gig before I was, you know, because I, I knew that the that the position was open and i thought man i sure would love to try to get a shot at doing that because i really really like that band right a lot, perfect you know? fit yeah yeah and and i thought that it would be a good fit and and i was just a, re a real fan man you know uh coming from where, I, where from where i come from as a you know as a 70s rock and roll kid you know it was it was uh the idea of playing that music was very appealing to me and so i was going to try to pursue it anyway but you know as luck would have it i think now that's best i can remember shane i think a couple yeah. of these guys had recommended me and then their label all of a sudden was columbia which mm. was the same label that that cry love had been on so i knew a couple of people at the label and i said hey can you put in a word for me if they're going to audition people 
Yeah, and cool. So, wow. And that's what happened. I mean, I think they looked at a few guys. Now, did you have you to know, audition? Or you that's just what I'm them? saying. Yeah, yeah. I went down and I. They gave you songs to they learn. They gave me about nine songs to learn. And uh, just, just kind of out of the blue, you know, this phone call. That's the way this stuff happens a lot of times, yeah, right? Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. And it was like, can you come down here Friday? So, man, I had an old Nissan straight shift pickup truck, man. <laughs> and I put my amp head in there, my guitar, and drove to Atlanta. Got there the night before and went and did the audition. We did about eight, eight of the nine songs. And they're like, well, man, if you get out of here now, it's Friday. You know, you can beat the Travis 3.30. You can beat the Travis. You know, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> or we're going to play tomorrow. <laughs> we didn't even play the other song. You know what I mean? They're, but luckily, it was the inverse of what it could have been, that they actually had heard enough to know, okay, this guy can play. But that was like in October, I think. And I didn't end up getting, end up starting like working with them until like June. Wow. Because they were in the middle of making a record, you know, and, uh, and so they were getting ready to start touring like the following June. So I, I spent a, a lot of months in like a limbo of like, man, uh, I wonder, you know, if I'm going to, you've kind of moved is, on in your head. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I was also adjusting my thinking, you know, to, to thinking about going out and getting work, which, you know, side man. Yeah. We had been talking earlier about, you know, a lot of, you know, guys that, that play in bands their whole life, you know, that's just where your head is at. Right. You know, and that, and, and, uh, I was kind of switching gears in my brain as far as that goes, you know, so, but it did end up happening. I mean, now you've done, I don't know all the, which records you played on Black Crows. What Man, really only, I played on a, a three or four songs on a record called Lions. Yeah. That they made. And then. And you're live at the Greek for sure. Live at the Greek, the, the. I started to say the Hendrix oh, one, yeah. <laughs> the, the Jimmy Page one. And then they, they uh, after the band split up, uh, there was a live album that came out that I'm on. Yeah. yeah. You got any favorite tracks? Because I'm about to ask you Jim, Jimmy Page stories before that. <laughs> uh, any favorite tracks, Like, man? you know, stuff you've... You, well, I didn't really like play from, on that much of stuff. Well, but, the stuff you did, like the live stuff. I mean, any of the songs you really like playing a lot? Man, I, I liked a lot, playing a lot, the, a lot of those songs a lot because of, because there's a whole lot of really good ones. Yeah, I know that's great stuff. Then as it was, then again it will be. Though the course may change sometimes, rivers always reach the sea. You know, honestly, man, you know how this is. I don't know if this is the same way it is for you, but it's been so long. Yeah. And I don't well, really... Well, you've done so many gigs Well, the other then, thing man. is, too, is I don't, yeah. you know, I don't sit around my house and go, hey, I, know. I think I'll listen to this. No, I know this. you don't. I'm obviously, no, absolutely. So I, sometimes I can't remember, yeah. man. You I know? mean, just people know you for all the cool gigs you've do, done, and Black Crows is definitely one of them. Yeah, know? it was, it was a, there was a lot about it that was interesting. 
too. You know what I mean? Now you've told me these stories, and and I, you know, we don't have you don't have to tell them all if you don't want to. But man, you got to tell me at least one or two of the Jimmy Page stories. <laughs> I, I remember the the. Uh, Whatever that is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that story and the the, you know, the story. Yeah, you know, that's pretty crazy. If you too, don't man. mind sharing a few of those, they're, they're I, no, absolutely not, man. Absolutely legendary. Not. This well, is this this folks is why I do this. This like these yeah. stories, and 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 I'll be the first one to say that my memory is is uh, not the greatest, you know. But but I don't think that I'm embellishing any of this or making any of it up. I'm probably <laughs> leaving matter. some things out. <laughs> it's even better, you know what than me? dude. It doesn't matter. But. Uh, Man, the first one that I can think of is that when we were going to play our first show with him, which was a charity show at a little club in London, that was going to be on a Sunday. If I remember this correctly, that was going to be on a Sunday. And on the Friday before that, we were going to rehearse with him, you know, so. Sorry, real quick. I'll just give him a little context. So. Jimmy Page joined the Black Crows for a tour, right? Did- yeah, but this is way before that. Oh, okay. This is what what initially sparked. Now, this is, you know, what what I understand happened. You know, not being like a principal member of the group or and speaking with management about it and everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think this is what got filtered down to me. But I think this is correct that we did this charity gig and the charity gig went went real well and it turned into well, let's just do a. Oh, some shows mm-hmm. after that, you know, the, I think it was the following year. Um, but, uh, so, so here we go on Friday afternoon. Well, I've known that we're going to do this for like five or six weeks, you know, so you can imagine I've worked myself up into like a, you know, uh, I, you know, you can imagine I've just worked myself up thinking about, I've got to go play guitar with Jimmy, P- you okay. know, and, and so, we get to the rehearsal space and we had been doing a little bit, a whole lot of love in the middle of a a jam in one of the songs. Chris tells Jimmy that. And he was like, well, all right. He goes, well, let me, let me see how you do it. (laughs) So he sat down on the couch, literally as far as you are to me right now. And I had to go bonk, bonk, play the wah wah thing in front of him. Talk about pressure. But, you know, I mean, I've done it a thousand million yeah. times ever since I was Jimmy a kid. But not with him sitting right there, you know. And so once we got past that, it was like, okay, you know. Mm-hmm, right. Because I thought that we were going to go in. I didn't, you know, and rehearse with him. I didn't know that he was going to sit out there, you know, yeah. like we're at the Rock Olympics. Right, you right. know what I mean? And so once we got past that, I was like, I specifically remember that moment. And... uh so we did that club gig, yeah, and then it turned into some things. I'll tell you one. We were rehearsing in a in New York, and and I kind of was. Uh, I had gone through, spent a long a long time because you know we've all heard these records a million times or whatnot. But I, you know, I wanted to make sure that when we showed up at the rehearsal, that we put the time in. Yeah, to learn and, the parts and learn <laughs> learn. You know, I mean, hey, how many p- times have you gone in to do something, especially when you're in a house band or at you know uh, you know you you do that every week i see you on tv you know or for part of the year or whatnot but how many times just in any given situation do people show up and they're not only like unprepared they're like not prepared at all right right you know uh, more I mean? than people would think actually. more than people would think right yeah, you yeah. know and uh so i was like i got too much respect for this 
guy and this music and all that he has given me. You know, because I had poster on, you know, seventy seven sure. tour poster on my wall when I was a kid. You know, I still got it in there. Dragon so Pants and Zoso and all. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, man, Dragon Pants or the one with the <laughs> yellow sunglasses and the Nazi SS hat. <laughs> <I remember that. laughs> uh, uh, I was just, you know, I wanted to make sure that we were going to show that respect by doing a good job being right. prepared. You right, know? right. So I did a lot of prep work. Like I said, you think you know these songs and you go back and listen to them and you're like, whoa, There's man. layers of shit. And going what's on going on there? Like there's a part in the ocean where there's a, where the, that. Wow. That thing in the middle. It's doing that. But there's one, I, th- I best I can th- figure it, man. I think there's a dominant a tritone in there. And I think there's a major seven on top of it. Wow. Like a. Or something. I can't really hear it. But yeah. you know, when you yeah. start digging into it. Yeah. You, you you start hearing these things. So we learned all the stuff and uh, we were going over 10 years gone, you know, which uh-huh. in the middle of it, there's five guitars in one part of the song. You wow. Know? And there's a harmony, which I'm not going to even attempt to remember how that goes right now. But uh, he came up to me and, and he was like, now what would be my part on this? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, Jimmy, I think it's this. And I went, meeny, 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 you know, yeah. whatever that is. And he and, and and this is my part, and I said, let's try it. And, you know, so we count four and we play it, and and it's all cool and everything. And I said, does that sound right? And he goes, well, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, right, okay, yeah, you know, yeah. So we did all those shows. It was a it was electric, man. The first night that we played at the Roseland in New York, which is no longer there. Did you ever play there? No, Roseland. Never you know, did. across, across yeah. the street from the Ed Sullivan Theater. And I think the first song was uh, Celebration Day, you know, and I just remember looking over at the dude, like on the downbeat, yeah. you know, and I was like, what is going, happening wow, right now? Surreal. You know, which was, it's almost so, and, and you've played with a lot of your heroes, man. Not just famous people, I'm talking about people that, who you yeah, admire, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, he kind of inhabits both of those spaces. Oh, that's you know? a huge one, man. That's, but, you know. But I'm just saying, it's so surreal that I'm not sure that I'll, I'll ever really be able to, like, put it into context, mm-hmm. you know, especially from where I come from, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, how did this happen to me? You want to hear it? There's, 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 you oh, know man, a couple I'm waiting for the story. I know <laughs> I know the stories. I just wanted you, want you to tell them again. The, um, the, uh, the one, the... Uh, the, the the cool in the gang one is a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. You think we should go public with that? I don't <laughs> well, know. Well, that's not a, whatever. If you don't want to tell it, um, I think it's a, harmless. But it's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did a run of shows, and then the next year we're going to do another tour. And I think we did that live at the Greek thing, like in the first initial six shows that we played, or something. And then like the next summer we're going to do. So we were in Chicago rehearsing for that, and. uh Jimmy came in one day. I guess I can call him Jimmy. Or is his first name basically? Mr. Page came in one day. Pagey. Yeah, with his uh, bodyguard guy and says, uh, I don't know. Do you think that I should tell him? Yeah, hell I, yeah. I think you, don't you think should. That, like, he, is it like not? Oh, man, it it's great. Much? No, it's. You, know. you think he, I mean, I doubt if Jimmy Page is listening to this. And even <laughs> if he was, it's, it's harmless. I mean, it's what happens. It's funny. I just, I think it's cool actually that he would even be that hip to Yeah, yeah. Um so so he came walking in one day, we were rehearsing, 
And this is the way I remember it. He comes walking straight up to me. And he goes, oddly, this is a horrible accent. In fact, I won't even try to do the accent. But he goes, can you show me how to play Celebration by Cool in the Gang? I've just heard it on the radio, and it's fantastic. That was the word he used. Well, of course, I have no idea how to play it. I'm sure you can play it, right? You know how to play it? I know the song. And it's it's awesome. I've never played it in my life. It's awesome. It's like a little octave thing. Yeah. And there's another one. There's no thing happening in the background, but you know, all I know is dun 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 dun. I said, Jimmy, I think it goes like this, and he looks at me and just has this big grin on his face, and he goes, "Woohoo!" Like that, or that's the best I can remember it. Oh, it's so. But I was like, man, what just what? Yeah, just happened. But I just thought it was so charming and awesome. A, that he even still listened to the radio, yeah. you know, and that he was like super in, into that. Yeah, you know? he's in the hooky stuff. It's yeah. a hook, you know? You know, and it, so that, just, that that says a lot. Yeah, but, but it's a great story. Uh, but it, it's a twilight. And I love like, the way you say like, you know, there were there were several people around and they all have the cores. It's sort of like the, the Bible. <laughs> it's like yeah, the New Testament. Yeah. We think this is what happened. You know, everybody was around. But yeah. I like the other one too you told me one time about... Um, no, no, there's a few. You probably don't want to tell them. But they, uh, there was the dressing room uh, Kroger deli tray one. There was the... Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell. And then there was the uh, the Haagen-Dazs one. Yeah, we were in Chicago yet again, and we were going somewhere, maybe to a music store or something. And this, We passed like a Ben & Jerry's or a haagen I can't remember whichever one it was, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and he commented on that. He was like, I've heard that Ben and Jerry's has been bought out by Haagen-Dazs or something <laughs> like that. And I was sitting in the back seat of this vehicle going, that's the guy that was on my wall in that dragon suit talking about ice cream. He's about ice cream. He's just a guy that that talks about things that happen in the world, you know. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you paint these pictures of dudes right. living up on a hill in a castle with right. servants. Alistair Crowley's and, castle. Yeah, 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 you know, like he's never seen a TV or something. You know what I mean? Like, Jason Bonham told me that uh, when he played with them uh, for the reunion, you know, Jason was like 19. He's partying his ass off and, you know, trying to be like his dad, you know. And he's backstage and, and he's, he told me this, man, straight from the source. He said... Robert Plant and Jimmy Page and and uh, John Paul Jones are sitting on the couch. They're like reading. One guy's got a magazine. To, they're reading like a newspaper, and he's like, "Could I use your reading glasses?" <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like this old lady who used to make food for him back in the Zeppelin days. She was still alive, and right. and she's like, "Pagey, I made you sausages just like you like them, and wrapped them just for later, you know." And he's like, "What the fuck is this? Right? We'll throw some TVs out the window, you know?" <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. "What the hell is this?" Reading, and he said when they were re- rehearse. This he had a. This is like a, a few years later. They were doing some rehearsals, and he had a. He had like one of their original cell phones that you could actually record stuff on. So he's like on his phone all the time. He's pressing it, and Jimmy Page or one of them was look at him and go, "Are you on your phone again?" <laughs> he goes, "I'm I'm recording the what we just did, you know." And he looks at Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, and he goes, 
He said he's recording on his phone. And they're laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just Led Zeppelin, man. But, uh, that is so awesome, yeah. man. I got to uh, I got to play uh, with John Paul Jones too. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah that was at, a while back. At yeah, one of Warren Haynes' Christmas jams. Wow. And Cry of Love toured with Robert Plant. We opened for him a wow. bunch of shows, but he hated us. Really? But we were still there. Why did he hate you? I don't know. You know, but we were still there. So the wow. the three surviving guys. Yeah, you know, man. You've Clarkson been in the, be with. Yeah, you've hung with all of them. Of course, Robert Plant spent a lot of time here in Nashville a few mm-hmm. years back. You know, in fact, I know I know some guys who played with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said he was going to be on Daryl's show. We 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 did a show with Daryl. Uh, Holland Oates did a thing with Robert Plant a couple. Of, year ago and he can't he was hanging out backstage he actually went up to daryl he goes hi daryl and daryl goes hey why don't you come on my show he goes you have a show <laughs> yeah and he goes well i'm really hard to get in touch with i live on the you know in wales i don't have any phone or tv or any you know. right wow but anyway he said he would do it but. that's yeah yeah do you do you ever see that thing man like whole you know it's real quick i would talk about this like the jimmy page part you said you had to learn man they're deceptively uh simple but they're they're not really simple they're really layered and like there's a lot of shit going on it's yeah it seems simple but like you know a whole lot of love like everybody goes or whatever it is something Mm -hmm. like that i was watching this thing with steve stevens right and he said this is the way jimmy played it and it's like a little simple thing where you hit this unit like these notes together and you slightly bend this, and it goes, right? That sounds exactly like it. But yeah. the way he does it through Marshall. And, oh. Yeah. You know, it gives you that little That's, dissonance. It makes it speak. It's totally different. You know? And there was yeah. another one that was um, where he. Yeah, now that does that happen at the stuff. end of Black Dog. Yeah, all yeah, that Yeah, all those little simple things. Yeah, I got a lot, of, man. I mean, you know, this is the kind of thing where you go back and hear some music that you haven't listened to in a long time. Because, I mean, face it, I don't really sit around the house and put on Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. 4, you sure, know, and yeah. listen to it because I've heard it so much. But sometimes when you do, you know, I really have. Do you, does that ever happen to you? I have these revelations of like, man, I got a lot of stuff. I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah, from yeah, these yeah. guys or or not just leads up and whatever well sometimes it's you not know? a conscious thing where you sit down and shed stuff sometimes it's just osmosis like you're actually touring with jimmy page so or all these great artists so a lot of things man it's you you think it's automatic pilot and then a few years later you might go oh yeah i soaked all this stuff i wasn't even thinking about it's right. like george you know you were saying you listened to that george porter episode of my thing and he's talking about sissy strut yeah you know? yeah yeah you play and he goes, no, no, it's not that. I know. There was it's one, no, like one note. It's out totally of place. different, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It's like you don't put. It's not four tablespoons of sugar. It's one. It makes right. a totally different taste. Yeah, you know? and you know those nuances, man. Do you think? I mean, make all the difference in the world. As far as, I think that's one of the key ingredients for people speaking with an individual voice as far as an instrumentalist goes don't you think Absolutely. i mean you know especially what we do because you know you think about the guitar man there's like a piano you know you have to hit the key then the hammer has to hit the string right. and this or that and it's it, your identity gets a little more buried so you mm-hmm. maybe your identity will come out like harmonically in a chord or something but the guitar man it's totally naked yeah. it's our fingertip against a piece of wire and every touch and every nuance, like you said, it, right. it, that's how you know it's Santana or whoever or Jeff Beck or you, Audley, or whoever. Everybody has their fingerprint. 
Well, I think so. that some guys more than others too. Don't you think? Sure. I mean, you know, there's we could you could name, you know, I'm I'm sure we could name quite a few, but you know, when you pick them out of a lineup. Well, who are some? You know, I didn't. I kind of skipped over that. But who are some of your guys that you liked growing up that you listened to that you maybe got into? Man, I was a you know I was a '70s radio guy, so it was kind of all over the place. You know, I never Shane, I never focused. I never got so as they say where I come from, like eating up with one guy that I really honed in on on a single player's thing, right. you know. But the, it was just, you know, whatever was on FM radio at the time, a lot a lot of it, to be honest with you, you know. And and uh, what what is called classic rock now, you know. And and a lot of that, you know, the 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 standards and and a lot of what would be like like more obscure now, almost, you mm-hmm. know, in a weird in a weird way, but, uh, that, that was, that was kind of it. You know, I didn't play any jazz, mm-hmm. you know, the blues that I played was filtered through, you know, the classic rock thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then once I got in college you know, I would go out and see players, I had an opportunity to, you know, to go out to nightclubs and see guys play. And so that would, there was two or three of those guys that were really influential on me when I was when they would come through, and I would see them. So uh, I can't say that I, you know, spent a year shedding one person's right thing, you know. And, and uh, a lot of it was access at the time, you know. We I would wait every month and see if the new Cream or Circus magazine showed up down at the Scotchman, which was the convenience store, mm-hmm. you know, and and. You know, if you could see somebody on a midnight special, you know, which was a TV show that came mm-hmm. on on Friday nights, you know, uh, but mostly it was radio, you know, I would just hear things on the radio and somehow, I don't know, you know, ended up like with Robin Trower, Bridge of Size yeah, album, man. like, you know, yeah. it was, maybe I'd heard a little bit of it on the radio or something, but you know, there would, there was four or five people that were really into music, like in where I went to school and in my neighborhood somehow the information would get kind of passed around that way you know i don't i don't, I, it's i think about that now and it's all a little bit of a mystery to me like how was i aware of some of these things you know i this comes up a lot with some of my guests you know we talk about why did we do it before youtube you know i think it's actually better because it forces you to pay attention more and focus more and you, you well know, don't you think that yeah and inside of that i mean like for your ear I don't really have, I never had any formal ear training and I, my ear is not the greatest for, sh- for sure. I'm not being, you know, uh, uh, self-effacing by saying that it's just not a gift that I, that I have or have ever really developed. But, but, you know, you develop an ear on your instrument just by, by doing it even without knowing it. But if you got to learn a song, you know, Sometimes if you have to hear it and figure it out by hearing it rather than watching somebody show it to you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, don't you think that in the long run? Yeah. It's like using that, a GPS versus like yeah, driving it's exactly, around getting lost that's exa- for a while. Then you actually know it. You know? Yeah, that's exactly, exactly what it is, mm-hmm. you know. It's funny, man, now too, it's enough time has passed that, you know, I mean, I did, I literally grew up, you know, moving the needle back on records. And, you know, now I know that sounds to to younger people like it, sounded to me when somebody would tell a yeah. story about well this guy walked 12 miles yeah to, right, you know, right, right. in my day we didn't yeah, have yeah. A, yeah but, but it has really come true. to that you it's know? true 
still the best way. I mean, now you can get, uh, you know, like a um, slow downer app thing and you can put something in, you can yeah. slow it down and learn it. But by ear is still the best way. To yeah, learn. I think so. You know, especially like if you're, well, no, in all cases. But man, if you do develop your ear enough to be able to use the tricks that your mind has, you know, the methodology to hear a c complicated mm -hmm. passage and you can, you know, break it down. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? You yeah, can use yeah, yeah. these methods that you develop in your own brain for, for parsing that out just a little bit at the time. You know, if you can, re if you're able to do that, that's a really good skill to have. Yeah. You played on a Robin Ford record, rhythm guitar, right? Yeah, sure right? did. Yes, I played rhythm guitar. Well, no, I, I think I remember uh, you telling me I played rhythm. That's why I said that. I... You played with him? No, I never have. You haven't? Nope. Never have. Oh, no, that, yeah. Why would I play a rock? Well, well, yeah, yeah. Is that called a rhetorical? What's no. the name of that? What, what was Same that, thing. What was man. it like? I mean, playing, I mean, because you're a great rhythm player, too. I'm not surprised. I just... um, no, man, I, you know, I had met him at a, at one of Warren Haynes' Christmas Jam things, and, uh, and he was really nice and said some complimentary things to me, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which are always, which I always just take with a whole shaker of salt, you know what I mean? Because the guys are so accomplished, man, and they, well, walk. those cats don't dish out just any compensation. But they also, you know, they walk with giants, man. You know, I mean, playing yeah. Miles Davis and thing. Yeah, you, you mm -hmm. know, you, you've you hung around with, with, I'm sure that Schofield has told you all kinds of stories, you know. Mm -hmm. But he was really nice. And, and uh, I think also, too, man, that they, uh, some of those guys, like his affinity, like I think Robin's affinity for like rock and roll, like came really, really late. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that he really. Like he told me, he was like, I heard Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones. It sounded like a bunch of noise. Wow. You know, he was like, yeah. I heard, I was listening to Aretha Franklin and I was reading like the real uh -huh. R&B, you know. Yeah. He, was, he was like, it was much later in life when I really began to kind of understand this. Right, you know? right. So, uh, yeah, man, he just called me up out of the blue a couple, few years ago and said, hey, I'm going to be making this record in Nashville. We're going to cut the whole thing in a day. Wow. Old school. And I told him, I said, man, you know, if you're going to, if it's going to be some some heavy changes and some deep stuff you know I, i'm not your guy to do that's just not what i do you know and i don't want to waste your time and embarrass myself and he was like no no it's gonna be fine don't worry and so uh kind of the same thing with the larry carlton thing i showed up for the rehearsal we had dated a cheryl gig and i flew back in on sunday and went straight over to this rehearsal and he was like, I got charts, you know, and then it turned out, of course, there weren't for some of these tunes, and then there were, but they were all written like in notation, you know, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, man, what have I gotten myself into? But I, I went home that night and rewrote the uh -huh. charts, you know, and, uh, and with some help from my wife who can, is, is a really good sight reader, oh, okay. you know, so That's she was great. like, well, this means this, and, yeah. you know, so I was able to rewrite the charts and, uh. Because what, you know, I think for those guys, man, what's just second nature and, and just simple, easy, they don't even have to think about, you know, yeah. that they've done it so long for, for a guy like me, you know, I'm like, what, what does this mean? Yeah. You know? Well, you know, man, I've, I've said it before on this. It's, it's, you know, even though you're not quote a schooled, whatever the hell that means, I mean, you, you feel trumps everything, vibe trumps everything. That's what you have. And that's why well, people hire you. you know? Yeah. And we could shit about all that stuff. And we could cut all that. I don't want to be come on out sounding false, humble. I'm just saying in that situation, you know, it was okay. Sure, sure, sure. You know, it, yeah. it, it was okay. You know, I, I was able to, and, and honestly, uh, one of the highlights was that he had this one song, and this is a little embarrassing because I can't remember the name of it, that he had written with Michael McDonald. And it was, the, I think it was the only, maybe I played acoustic guitar on a couple of songs, but this one had a ton of chords in it and it was really pretty. 
and I got to play acoustic guitar on it. It's and, on the record. And it's on the record, and that was the, probably the most fun oh. thing for me just to be able to strum. Did you just forget how to love me? Just little things would bring us together. And that was that was a real thrill because the changes were so nice. Mm -hmm. And to be able to play I love playing acoustic guitar anyway, mm -hmm. you know. And so yeah, it was it was a, a real honor you know and uh we've stayed in touch and and i saw him a couple of months ago and he invited me down to come and sit in with him one night nice it's terrifying because i mean dude has <laughs> yeah. a you know, I know he's good, good he's got a command player. yeah of his thing man he has a wonderful sound mm -hmm. too you know you know with that dumbbell amp that he uses and whatnot yeah i've heard of those yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's one for sale they're real car. reasonable yeah yeah, yeah exactly I'll be honest with you. I've only ever played through one of them one time, and it sounded great. It was cool, but you, you know, know what? Uh, there's a guy named Tony Daigle who who's uh, Sonny Landris, the engineer, and I, I work with him sometimes on sessions. And um, he's in Lafayette, Louisiana, and I, I went hang out with Sonny a few months ago at a gig, and I was asking him about uh, Sonny has his Demeter amp, and I said, uh, "Man, what what about that Dumble?" He goes, "You know what, Shane? I don't like the Dumble. I don't <laughs> like the Dumble. You know, Sonny brings that. I, I can't get a good sound. I can't record that. Don't like it." I don't like it. Interesting, you know. <laughs> but you can go buy there's one at a store here in yeah. town right now for ninety grand. Wow. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well. I mean, you do a lot of sideman like house band things. You did the thing with Don Was, you know, and yeah, we you've just did done one. several things. I saw you on a thing with Greg Allman once. Yeah, that and, was a you thrill, know, when yeah. you when you have to learn a lot of things, what's your method? Like do you write little short I write charts, charts, yeah. I use charts mm -hmm. on those gigs. I mean, like on the Greg gig I had them there as a safety net. A lot of those songs I, I had heard a lot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And some of them I had played. Have them there as a safety net. We just did a Fleetwood Mac one in New York a couple weeks ago for the uh, Music Cares thing that they do of the person of the year around the Grammys, you know. And that wasn't very many songs. But I just like to have the chart in front of me just to, sure. just yeah. in case, you know what I mean? Some guys don't, you know, can can commit it all to memory, you know. Now, sometimes... I do gigs here in town. We have a cover band that plays songs from a from a specific year in the seventies, you know. So say we'll be doing something from nineteen seventy five. I will actually, funnily enough, try to 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 commit most of that to, to, to my brain. So because we're just going down to the club to have fun and if I'm gonna do that, I kinda yeah. wanna really have right. fun and you not just be go. glued yeah. to the yeah. chart. Plus a lot of those songs, yet again, I've heard them so much. But, yeah, I mean, is that what, you, mm -hmm. when you're in situations like that? I mean, on the TV show, do you use the charts? I do, yeah. I have, like, two charts. I have the Daryl's thing going on. The, there's a teleprompter thing with little cues here and there. But it's pretty much, there's no rehearsal, so we have to right. have that. Well, I was going to say, and for guys like you and me, you do so much of these kinds of things, and you know, in, 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 in different situations, you know, your time as an adult, responsible adult human being, you know, your time is not what it used to be when you were a kid. Right. And, and, uh, I got to be honest with you, my capacity for memorizing things, I'm not sure is, is, is what it used to be either. You know, it seems like it takes me a little longer, you know, mm -hmm. maybe to try to 
cram something in. Mm -hmm. But I think there's years and years and years of information, you know, so, you know, if you can make better use of your time by using a chart Mm -hmm. in a situation like that, I mean, face it, we're in a house band. We're not doing choreographed, you know, uh, moves with our instruments or whatnot. We're just there to make the, try to make the singers, give them the best bed to sing the song that we can, you know. And uh, so I find that it makes a whole lot of sense for me anyway, just as far as the amount of time preparation. Plus, yeah. honestly, when I make, even if I'm going to memorize a song, I always usually make a chart on it anyway, because mm-hmm. it just kind of helps mm-hmm. me do that. Play a little chord progression behind you or something. Oh, um, wait, give me something. Uh, 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 what 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 makes sense? Uh, maybe. Uh,
tones make me play real. It's like a tasty jam, man. <laughs> I didn't know when you were going to that five chords. Uh, yeah, it's like random. It's all good. Joe Perry too. Yep, I wow. did a thing with him, man. Uh, talk about seventies rock, man. You worked with your. You talk. It's about crazy, heroes. man. Those I could are... show you these. I made these collages when I was a kid, like in eighth, seventh, or eighth grade, or something like that, with these pictures cut out of Cream magazine and whatnot. I've got them around here somewhere. I believe now it's called a vision board. Is that really? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a new that age. That needs its own theme. See, you, you visualize it, man. It you happened. need to buy the. Uh, I mean, you need to to compose the theme music for the vision board. You know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, it was just something that I did to put up on my wall, teenage. You know yeah. what I mean? When I was in fourth, fifth grade, it was all football players. But I could show you one of those things, man. And yeah, and there's a bunch of people on. I was so like, what was well, the thing? I got to Joe play with this one, this one, this one. You know, uh, man, it was uh, his tech. Jim Service was a, was a friend of mine, and he was just man. He made a record with him and one other dude in his basement, and mm -hmm. he just needed some guys to like do a couple TV shows. Oh, okay, and yeah. play a couple shows. Yeah, and so. Yeah, it was super fun, man. Yeah. It was tripping me out, man. We went through and looked at all his guitars and oh, yeah. famous ones, and yeah, you're crazy, right. man. Yeah, that was a long time ago too. That was right around that Blue Floyd time, I think. Yeah, and so that was yeah, it was a great experience. The Blue Floyd thing was fun, man. I, I think there are some recordings that exist somewhere. I don't know. But I'm sure we only did are. we only did like a week tour or something like something that. Something like know, that was really like... small. I just remember we finished up in Syracuse and wasn't it like the beginning of April or something? There was like eight feet of snow on the ground or something. Yeah, like I remember that. that. I mean, yeah. yeah. You told me the other day you've been with Cheryl for seven years. I think it's this is year number seven. Cheryl Crow, yeah. that's a great game. We started in 2012, band. so whatever. You and Peter Stroud. It's, Peter's a great player, too. I yeah, know, he is, know him, Don't know him really, really well, but I actually bought an amp from him years ago. Um, he's a great player. So yeah, you yeah. guys... That's a great combo, man. Mm -hmm. it's just really... Yeah, it, it is. Absolutely. It's a great situation. You know, there's some really good songs. Oh, yeah. And she can really sing them, you know. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. We just got back from playing at the Super Bowl a couple of days ago. for the. We did a thing up there, so we got to go to the first half of the game anyway. Oh, wow. It was pretty tripped out. Yeah. It was pretty awesome, yeah. Wow, so that was, yeah, that was Sunday. You were up there Sunday. Yeah, mm -hmm. the last minute thing. And I, I'm, you know, I don't know why I'm t telling you that. Mm -hmm. You, um, working with all these singers, man, I'm always curious, like, because I work with a bunch of singers. I, I mean, if you had to give anybody any advice, this, I, I've never asked this actually anybody in the podcast, but man. somebody <laughs> like Sheryl Crow or somebody like, Chris Robinson, Rich Robinson, that that dynamic, which everybody knows, there was a lot of turmoil there at times. Or, um, well, and, and yeah, and uh, Cheryl's there is no, there's not, there's not, but yeah. you still, you, you you know, I, I guess everything is totally every every 
situation is totally different application, but is there any advice you would give somebody basically working with a singer, you know, being a side man, working with a singer, is this, you just, I don't know. Let's bounce this back and forth. Cause you do a lot of this too. And I think people would be interested to hear both our perspectives on okay. it. I would say first off, just like in the service industry, you know, when they say the customer's all, when I used to bag groceries at the grocery store, you know, the customer's always right. Quote unquote, well, the singer is going to be, is always right. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you're there to, to work for them. You know, uh, I'd say if they want your opinion, they'll ask you for it. Do, I mean, do you if find I want that your opinion? I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, uh, Man, you know, I, I think that you just got to be prepared, like we talked about. Um, I think it's probably pretty important that you belong there musically, and I don't mean that from a technique standpoint. I mean that from like sort of a, a, a an empathetic standpoint to the, what the songs need and what they don't, and really what they don't need, mm-hmm. you know, and... and, uh, and just do the best job that you can do to, you know, mm-hmm. as, as, as far as your position in the ensemble, I mean, the, what, what, what would you say? I mean, no, I would, I would echo that. It's, it's gauging volume for me is always different. Like working with a, a, a female vocalist like Madeline Peru, who's more of a jazz singer going mm-hmm. to like Daryl and John, where it's like really loud mm-hmm. and you have to gauge volume right. and know. And that makes it thing. a little tricky with our gear too, mm-hmm. you know, as you show up get your stuff shipped somewhere to start a tour or whatnot. And you realize, Oh, this is way too loud. Yeah. This amp, or it's not going to be loud yeah. enough because this drummer plays really hard, you know, that kind of thing. So there's a lot there, but you know, I, I think that you, would agree with this, you know, always err on the side of not loud enough. And that way. I do, know. but I've had, had people tell me, man, I'll, you know, like for an audition, turn, just make sure they ask you to turn down, like turn up really? loud. Yeah. I've had somebody tell me that once, which wow. I've never really done that, but you know, I, I don't know if that's the best strategy, but, but you know, you, here's another thing I forgot to ask you about Frampton. You've worked with Peter Frampton. So you've been in like, man, you worked with Joe Perry you know, you're in two guitars right now with Shell Crow, mm-hmm. Black Crows, Jimmy Page. I mean, um, d- man, it was the, me the and two David guitar the, things. You, I forgot and, about and the Dixie, Dixie Chicks. Yeah. You and Grissom, man, yeah. that's a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I, I so learned you, a lot. You're a master that. at like the two guitar thing, man. You know how to weave around people, and and uh, you know that's a that's a skill, man. Because most cats just play too much, and it's not about that at all. It's it's uh, everybody knows you can play. You're on the gig. You know, it's, well, it's, and, uh, you know, I, I always feel like that if I, you know, I can go down to the bar when we're not out playing shows and play all I want. Right. I get a rhythm section and go down there and just right. play, 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 play. Right. But I think coming from where I come from and probably where you come from, I mean, it seems to just be kind of logical. Yeah. Does it to, to me, you know, I mean, well, I do find that sometimes playing in the studio that you're exactly right that man, it's just, there's so many notes getting committed to the Tay or to Pro Tools, you know, that that it would maybe a little breath would be good, but... Well, but, the studio, I think, is a lot more revealing. Like, less is really more in the studio. Yeah, you know. It's, you know. It's, and that's, uh, as much as I like Ingve's quote, more is more. How <laughs> yeah. can less possibly be more? Well, it's impossible. 
but um, in the studio, everything gets magnified, man. And, you know. Yeah, and I think that that happens in in live, but but like you said, it's not nearly as much of a microscope. But I think that that it's such a cliche to say well, it's what you don't play that makes mm-hmm. it. But but it can't, you know. It's true. What you, it's. I'm not going to say what you don't play is more important than what you do play, but it'll make what you do play more important. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and so I don't know. I, I think the key word probably is just appropriate, whatever's appropriate for the situation, you know. I mean, I think people hear hear phrases in two bar phrase like they hear hooks in two bar phrases, one or two bars, like or whatever right. that is. You know, oh, boom, da, 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 da. those are the things that grab people, and you go, well, "Holy shit, that's catchy!" You know? Yeah, or maybe so. I never thought about that. that you know, on any instrument, it's right? like drum beats too. Yeah, drum, yeah, drum, drum beats, yeah. especially. Exactly. I'm I'm gonna butcher this, but just for example. And uh, or celebrate <laughs> or evil woman by ELO on piano. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I it's, never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Man. Those are the ones that I never that seem to. Oh, dude, I'll talk all day. <laughs> you remember that when you gave me those um, ZZ Top albums rema- um, from vinyl? Yeah, 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 yeah. I still listen to those, man. It's incredible, it's, man. It's best shit. I listened to it on headphones a couple weeks ago on the vinyl. It's so good. He, you had him on the show, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was, was awesome. on, on Daryl's Did you play yeah. with him before? No, I never had I got to play no. with him last year for the first time, too, man. <laughs> the Revelin' Billy. Oh, you know what, man? Actually, uh, do you remember you gave me that? Was it you or... Somebody gave me that that Hertz cross. Did I give that to you? You With gave it Billy? to me. Yeah, I got that from one of Billy's really texts years ago, and I asked Billy about it. I was like, "Billy, you remember the Hertz cross?" And he goes, "I can't believe you mentioned that. I forgot all about it." I said, "I actually have it. I'll email it to you." And he loved it. You know, really. And it's a it's a diagram. Yeah, I know. Of the, I know. I've got it. Yeah. Yeah. The neck with all the frequencies, and I guess Billy would use it to tell the sound guy, you know, dial in some. 800 for <laughs> 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 
Is there, what do you? What else you want to? You want to? Man, I was something? thinking that maybe I should. Go. I can't really think of anything. I'm sure that this, you know, tomorrow I'll be like, man, we should talk about this. And talk oh about yeah, that. it's you always know, like man. that. Now that's gonna mm-hmm. happen. When mm-hmm. we sit there for lunch, I'll be like, oh shit. I, I mean, because you, you know, I, I didn't ask about Dixie chicks. I didn't ask. Right, I mean, right. there's so much stuff. I mean, if you want to talk, well, about you can't that. cram it all into. A... You could, but then it turns mm. up into like two hours. And yeah, 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 I, yeah. I keep them around an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty. You know what I like about this? What I really, really like about it is it, it's not like when you, when guys are putting out a record or they wrote a book or whatnot and they're out on their press tour and they're doing all the podcasts, but they're really like pimping out their thing. That right, right. You know, and this is awesome, man. Just It's very fluid because we're just having a conversation instead of talking about like, so in the next right. month or two, what's going to you know any right. of that kind of making stuff. The, the talk show circuit? No, yeah, yeah, any, exactly. I don't think we're in danger of Yo, that. thing you had a dr z head that you you weren't digging you liked it but you're like man i already got something like this and i ended up buying it oh right right that, yeah, uh, yeah yeah what was z, prescription prescription yeah. and i ended up getting a, another z I, I have a few of them i sold a couple but i sold that prescription you did i wish i hadn't have sold it but i sold really? it and before i did i opened it up to like i forget i took a picture of it or something and it said in there Made for oddly free. Uh, really? <laughs> Whoops. So sorry. whoever has that amp. Yeah. Uh, that was, yeah, that was a good sounding amp. That's yeah. I can remember. Well, it was a little more blackface fingery. Yeah, and wasn't. I already had two blackface fingers. Yeah, and a, yeah. You know, all that. Exactly. Thing. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I don't know. I, I, there's so many guys in Nashville, as you know, that know so much about all this stuff, man. You know, I really mm-hmm. don't. I, I don't you know, know a lot about it either. You know, but, enough to get by, you know, and to be interested in certain right. aspects of it. You know? Right. But I, I've got people that I can always call, hey, what does this mean? You know what I mean? The, the resources for that are, are all around us. What what amps are you using right now with Cheryl Crow? You, you got. Um, Man, you know, it's like things. A, things have really changed. We were talking about that earlier about guys, please play loud, super loud, like in clubs, you know? Yeah. I used to do that. Uh, um, but it's really pretty much low volume. In ears? Uh, we use in ears, yeah. And, um, and I mean, I use a you know some different things, but usually some kind of EL eighty four amp. 
like mm-hmm. a like a box style mm-hmm. amp. I've got one that the guy down the street from you know this company called Third Third Power. You know who that is? I'm not familiar. You should with check him out. Really? He's got Jamie no, Scott. He's got a lot of great stuff. And I, I have this uh, thing that he makes called a Wooly Coats, and basically it's like an AC30, but it's in a Princeton size box. And I just put it on about three and a half. You know, wow, it gives so me enough, just enough. enough break up for the sound that I like. You know, and uh, and then I got a Fender, one of those up. Uh, Fender Tweed Pro reissues that I just use for a couple of songs if I, you know, if I just need to go, mm-hmm. you know, if I just got to, you know, if I've got something R&B-ish that needs a Fender kind of yeah. sound, you know, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, or something that's really hardcore, you know, you know, we might yeah. play something every once in a while that's got a little thing like that. Um, so those, man. Uh, wow, so pretty low wattage kind of things doing the super work. Super low, low wattage and plexiglass in front of it. And we're on in-ears. That's good, man. That's good for your hearing. It's much better for your hearing, man. You know, I, I, I will say, you know, when you do hear somebody, you know, every now and then I'll see like Hendrix on TV or something loud, live thing, you know, and it sounds like Godzilla. Yeah. I'm talking in a good way. Yeah. It's like the only way you can achieve that is oh, yeah. that volume that he had. Because yeah. the guitar is just vibrating so oh, yeah. much, man. You can hear all of it. And the amazing low end and all that Townsend. You know, you don't get that with a little lamp. But there's other advantages, you know. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll I tell you, uh, um, I did play. They're making a Vox, like, 60th anniversary i think or something ac30 and ac15 that both sound real good i played one of those last week sound real good well you always get great sounds man you got so much great all these guitars here killer stuff so i man you know i it's funny i was talking to somebody about that one time it's like you take everything you get you've got and you try to make it all sound the same <laughs> like i want this to sound like the way i want it to sound but i don't have that many amps i'm kind of deficient in the amps department so I'm gonna you work still on, have that kt45 you on, said you had a kt40 yeah yeah i got it yeah, yeah. sitting right in there i wish i'd have kept mine i sold it um, i used that on that billy gibbons stance kt45 did? yeah and i sold it after that but that was a good amp it's just so loud man they're real loud, and that used to be like what I would use when I wanted something that wasn't too loud, you know. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I like that. I like a box. I like that sound. I like a lot of different sounds, but yeah. I do like a like a ch- nice chimey, yeah, thing, you know, sort of semi clean. Well, right on, man. I think we got enough. Excellent. Oddly. Hey, I just want to say, Audley, thank you for uh, doing this, man, carving out time. Man, it was a pleasure for me, Shane. I mean, really, I, you know, just to get to hang and I have know, some yeah, laughs and whatnot, so man. I feel long, like we man. could talk for five more. I would like to interview for about interview you for nah. five more hours. We'll go have lunch and real stories will come out now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Sure enough. All right, if you're still listening... Or if you made it through all that, thank you. Glad you, hopefully you enjoyed it. Thank you, Oddly. And tune in next time on the Riff Raff. I have some more great guests coming up. Take care.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.